Hi, you're listening to a sermon from Oak Hills Church in Folsom, California. We're so glad you're listening. If you'd like more information, you can visit us online at oakhills.org or phone us at 916-983-0181. That's straight from Truckee with your name on it, right? <laughs> Well, I'm wearing a black shirt today because, finally and at last, we are doing a song from my all-time favorite, Johnny Cash. And uh, his, for many of you who know him or knew of him, his mind, as tormented as it was, and his soul, as tortured as it was, produced some unforgettable music. My family was formed, our soul, the soul of our family was formed by Johnny Cash's music, for good or for bad, depending how you want to look at it. But the song, uh, Get Rhythm, came out in 1956, and it tells the story, kind of a little bit iffy, I wasn't sure we should use this, but tells the story of a shoeshine boy, and if you remember the era, it's undoubtedly Johnny Cash's, uh, part of his way of addressing what may have been some racial issues then, but it tells the story of a shoeshine boy who dealt with the mundane and the demeaning nature of his job and maybe the challenges of his life by getting rhythm, by finding a beat, by getting in a groove and confronting the blues of life with a rhythm of joy. This is the time of year when every direction we look, we see pressure bearing down on us. We see busyness, more than enough things to accomplish, undoubtedly many Appointments we need to keep, schoolwork piling high, soccer practices, dance practices, constantly running around telling other family members to hurry up, filling up the gas tank and wearing out the wheels, getting from here to there and back home again. It's that time of year. The end of summer has pretty much come. School has started again. Life is starting to pick up speed, though I realize like you probably do, that the lazy days of summer is just a myth because the pace of summer often matches the pace of fall, winter, and spring. But still there's something about August becoming September that signals not only the change of the seasons, but the start of another hurried and chaotic adventure for us in our lives where life happens faster than we can actually live it. And so we do our best just to survive it. And it is probable that many of us are in that space these days as we begin the adventure yet again. And it can be stressful just to think about it all. And fatiguing to try and muster up the energy for another go-around. And this is the life most of us know. In fact, the exception would be that we're not thinking this way or we're not feeling this way. And yet, the question is, should we just go along with this? Should we live this way? Is this how God intended human beings to live. So I'd like you to ask you to stand for our scripture reading. And as I read this, it's not in your Bible. Uh, We're using a different version, so the the text will be on the screen. You can follow along if you want, or if you prefer, you can close your eyes and just listen to it. In either case, what I'd like for us to do at the beginning of this, and as we hear this scripture multiple times today, is I'd like you to think about a pressure point 
you're facing in life. Something on the near horizon that is providing stress, pressure, busyness, kind of bearing down on you and beginning to strangle you just a bit. So Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30 from the message translation or message version of the Bible. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. This is the word of the Lord. Well, this version of this passage has held my attention for a very long time because it describes a quality of life very different from the one I typically experience in the day-to-day experience. And yet, the life Jesus described, describes as interpreted by Eugene Peterson in the message is a life I think most of us long for. I doubt too many of us heard today's scripture reading and thought something like, you know, I don't want that life of a real rest in the unforced rhythms of grace, void of anything heavy or ill-fitting, keeping company with Jesus and learning to live freely and lightly. That's not for me. I want stress and pressure. I want more to do than ours to do it. Eugene Peterson, you may know, is a pastor and a writer and a scholar and a thinker, and he does his morning devotions using the Hebrew Old Testament, if he's reading from the Old Testament, or the Greek New Testament, if he's reading in the New Testament. And he came up with the message version of the Bible to give us a scripture in earthy language, to put the Bible in the vernacular of the present day, which is really what it was intended to be in the first place. So the message is not a translation attempting to precisely follow the particular Hebrew or Greek nuances or emphasis. It is an interpretation based on Peterson's mastery of the original languages. And it is, I think, the perfect passage for us as we enter into another busy season of our lives. When Jesus first said these words... He was talking to people who were fatigued by life, and in particular by the relentless demands of their religion. The heavy-handed duty of religious obligation had replaced the life-giving and soul-nourishing presence and power of God with His people. So life with God had become about keeping Him calm so He didn't get angry and keeping him at bay, at a distance, by fulfilling various religious obligations. And the language Jesus uses undoubtedly touched these folks when they first heard these words, but the language he uses also touches the longing so many of us have here in 2018. A longing for a different kind of life. A longing for a life with God in a real way. A life of peace, a life of contentment and joy. A life, we might say, relaxed in his good care. Or as we're going to focus on today, using a line right out of the passage, a life 
in the unforced rhythms of his grace. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Jesus says, come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. It's such a beautiful image. So contrary to pressure and stress and shoulds and have-tos. So imagine for a moment just this phrase, living in the unforced rhythms of grace. Imagine your life wherever it takes you on a day-to-day basis, living in the unforced rhythms of His grace. We'll talk about what that might look like in more detail in just a moment, but just try to feel the goodness of the invitation. Not running away from life, not sitting around and doing nothing, still accomplishing, still investing in our lives and in our families and in our futures, but doing so in the unforced rhythms of God's grace. Doing so relaxed in the confidence that Jesus is King and Jesus is with us. The other day, Julie and I were at our daughter's soccer game, and Julie went off before the game to get uh, some water, and I wandered off somewhere else, and a few minutes later, she, we found each other again, and she asked me, with some attitude, uh, back to that smart mouth of hers that I talked about a few weeks ago, she asked me where I had gone, and we had a little border skirmish for a few minutes over this. And at one point I said, Julie, let's be real about this. You're the one who tends to wander off, and I spend a lot of time and energy trying to figure out where you are and following after you. To which she replied, again, with her smart mouth, all right. I did that the one time we danced together as a couple. Well, as I'm sure you know, eventually she realized I was right, and she kind of groveled for my forgiveness. And we moved on. But her dancing comment jarred a memory related to this idea of unforced rhythms. Now, I've told this before a long time ago, so bear with me if you've heard it. But to begin, we've danced more than once in our 28 years of marriage. Obviously, she's exaggerating. I think we've danced at least three times. But the time she is referring to, we were dancing early in our marriage. It was a wedding or something like that. And I remember this experience like it happened yesterday. She's out doing her thing on the dance floor. She's getting rhythm in the language of today. She's moving freely. She's in a groove. She's fluid. She's dynamic. She's having a blast. It's all unprogrammed. We call her the natural, unforced, easy, free. And then there's me. And I'm the opposite. Stiff. Forced. We might call me the unnatural. Choppy. Robotic. And thoroughly miserable. So she's spinning around now and then. And as she spins around, she's talking to people over here. And, you know, round and round she goes. And as she's spinning, I'm praying for a sprained ankle to get me out of it. At one point, she spun this way, and I'm kind of trying to figure out what to do, so I thought, well, I guess spinning is the thing to do. So I spun this way, and when we came back around, she was gone. She had wandered off to dance with some group over there. Let's call it what it is. She abandoned me. I was left all alone to bounce awkwardly on my toes as Blondie kept on singing Heart of Glass 
So real sly-like, awkward as can be, I kind of bounced my way off the dance floor, pledging never again. And I don't think it's ever been again, maybe once or twice. I was a picture of forced rigidity. She was a picture of unforced rhythm. I was rules. She was grace. I was enslaved. She was free. I was religion. She was relationship. I was pressure. She was relaxed. The life Jesus invites us to experience right now is Julie on the dance floor. But the life we often make for ourselves right now is me on the dance floor. Jesus says, learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Now, before we dive into that a little more, I want to note a couple of things right out of that phrase. Jesus tells us to learn this way of life. The kind of life Jesus describes in this passage is not instinctive to us. It is not natural to us. It has to be learned. And this is really important. The unforced rhythms of God's grace have to be learned. It's not our default way of living. We incline, as you know, toward hurry, stress, pressure. We incline toward critique, toward striving, toward performing, toward acquiring, toward worrying. We incline toward paralysis in our insecurities. We incline toward straining to prove. And this is exactly how we will enter into the chaos of this fall unless we want to learn a new and better way. Our default will take over yet again as it has many times before. We will do, in other words, what we have trained ourselves to do. We will live the way we have trained ourselves to live unless we want to learn the unforced rhythms God's grace. Jesus invites us to learn the unforced rhythms of his grace. And we don't learn anything unless we want to and are willing to put the time into the learning. And we don't learn the unforced rhythms of grace by listening to a sermon about it or by reading a book about it. We learn by first deciding we want this life Jesus describes and then we practice we experiment, we try, and we fail, and we try again. Something else worth noting is this good word, rhythm, the unforced rhythms of His grace. When we think of the busyness of life and all of the challenges and obligations and stress, we sometimes think the answer is to strive for balance. You've heard this, I'm sure. This is often the prescription for a hurried and stressed people. Find balance. I want to say this clearly. Balance is a pitiful goal and absolutely unworthy of our attention or pursuit. The fact is, life is not balanced. When you're studying for final exams and your college acceptance depends on the results, your life will not be balanced for a while. Balance is a myth because life happens in seasons. So the key is rhythm, finding rhythm, or in Mr. Cash's words, getting rhythm, building rhythm into our lives, rhythm right in the midst of the busy and right in the midst of 
the chaos. The writer of Ecclesiastes reminds us there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. And before it was a lyric and a familiar song, it was a biblical teaching about rhythm. It's the way the universe runs. Dark and light, day and night, summer and fall and winter and spring, rhythm, cadence, flow. See, what we need is a rhythm in our lives, a way of being in the midst of the demands and stress and pressures. Instead of marching to the beat of the demands, we do our best to fulfill the demands, but we march to a different beat. We learn the unforced rhythms of God's grace. So I want to talk about three practices as we enter the busyness of this fall. There's many others we could get into, but these kind of emerge out of Matthew chapter 11. So first, let's talk about the unforced rhythm of savoring the goodness. An unforced rhythm of grace, I would suggest to you, is savoring the goodness we experience in everyday life and receiving those good moments as gifts from God and expressions of His grace. Grace. Savoring is a rhythm, then, of noticing the goodness of God right smack in the midst of a busy and chaotic life and being able to drink it in for a few minutes. Being able to celebrate and give thanks. Let me give you a recent example. Very small, maybe even a bit silly, but I found myself in the moment of savoring as I watched this unfold. I was down in San Francisco uh, with our two daughters who are in school there recently, and there's a Target near where they live, and we were, the three of us, were in this Target in San Francisco, and um, again, this little dialogue goes on between the two of them. Abby, sort of cautiously and prepared for the wrong answer, walks up to Izzy right in Target, and she says, Izzy, would you want to go to an Indian restaurant for dinner? And she had asked me, and I said, yeah, that sounds good. So she sort of tentatively goes over to Izzy, would you, would you want to go to an Indian restaurant for dinner? It's really good. She starts trying to sell her on the idea. And Izzy is notoriously picky about everything, especially food. And she says, well, I don't like Indian food. And things went downhill from there right in the target. They started to fight about where to go to dinner. And I was slowly and meditatively pushing the cart in target. And when I saw this skirmish begin, I literally said to them out loud, I'm out, I'm gone, and I just kind of strolled away, and they stood in the middle of this target in San Francisco, and they started raising their voices, and I'm just pushing the cart, I'll see you guys, I'm going over here, and they kept going, and they bickered, and I'm thinking, here they go, and when they were little, I'd get in the middle of it, but no more, they're in their 20s, they can deal with it. And this is all over the dinner destination. So I walked away, and a few minutes later, I checked the rearview mirror of the cart I was pushing, and Abby had her arm around Izzy, and they're walking down the middle of the aisle. They're walking together, and I hear them apologizing to each other. And I'm like, wait a minute, stop everything. Jesus might be coming back in a second. <laughs> a never-before-seen sign just happened. So I'm sort of the dad in all this, and all of a sudden I just start reveling in what I'm seeing. Maturity in my two girls. This growth that is happening in their character, kind of what a parent wants. And all of it just hit me as goodness. 
And for a moment or two, right there in the middle, I just savored I just reveled in God's little good gift offered right there in the midst of everyday life. Some of us sitting here today are what we might call savoring challenged. We love the busyness and the chaos of life, and we especially love to complain about how busy and how chaotic our lives are. But if every complaint were resolved exactly to our satisfaction, and the busyness were to cease, and the chaos were to quiet down, we would actually be lost. We would know what to do because we have trained our bodies and our minds and our wills and our souls to be chaotic, to be busy, and we have trained ourselves to complain about the various imperfections of life we encounter all along the way. So our identity is now in the busyness, in the chaos, and in the complaining. We are savoring challenged. We don't know how to notice the good in the midst of the busyness and then revel in it. Our eyes simply cannot see God's little good gifts because our eyes have been trained to see all the imperfections in the world and in other people. We just don't know how to kick our feet up now and delight in the little good gifts God gives. And in a fast-paced, noisy, overtaxed, busy, and chaotic world, I want to suggest to you Savoring is a crucial rhythm of grace. It draws us back to God's presence in everyday life. It lifts our eyes off of the pressure of the moment and onto His goodness and onto His grace. So we absolutely have to learn this. And this is going to start out clunky. Again, we don't read about this. You don't need to listen to someone talk about it. You just... Like start doing it, experiment, practicing, and it will start clunky, but we choose to pay attention. Here's where the rubber hits the road. We choose to pay attention to what is happening in our lives, and we choose to start noticing the goodness and then savor it for a few moments and express thanks for it and enjoy it. Second rhythm of grace is resting from the striving. Jesus in Matthew chapter 11, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Then these great words, come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. And the word used for rest in Matthew chapter 11 is the same word used for Sabbath in other places in the Bible, such as Genesis 2, 2, where after finishing the work of creation, God rested from all of his work. Resting is an unforced rhythm of grace. And another one that is desperately needed in our time. Life comes at us so fast, we can't keep up with it. There's so much to do, and fatigue sets in. But even worse, there's so much to do, we forget who we are. And we become what we do. Our identity gets attached to the things we do. So our daily accomplishments become the justification for our existence. And Jesus whispers at us through all of this in a still, small voice, and he says, Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. And again, I doubt any one of us is thinking, Nah, I'm good. Get real, Jesus. What I got going on is way better than what you're on. 
So the rhythm of resting is about stepping away from the work and the have-tos and the obligations to remember who we are and to remember whose we are. It is taking time to breathe again. It's a choice to step away from whatever qualifies as work to recover our lives as beloved children of the good God. And I love the phrase, you'll recover your life. That's worth thinking about. Come with me, get away with me, and you will recover your life. See, the chaos and the busyness and the pressure and the noise and the frantic pace is a thief. It steals. It robs us in ways we might not even recognize. The chaos and the busyness masquerades as the essence of what real life is about. But it is not what real life is about. So the fall is upon us. Our schedules are likely filling up. And let's face it, busyness is part a part of life in 2018, and it is probably not going to go away. But the striving and the running around and the busyness isn't real life. It is part of life in suburban North America, but we were made for so much more. We were made for something better. And it is, I think, accurate and probably always applicable to say that when we can't pull away from it, when we can't pry ourselves loose from the demands and obligations and the tasks and the complaining and the busyness, it is because who we are is in those things. So why would we step away from the very thing that gives us our sense of identity? We were made for something better. We were made to live out the details of daily life with God. That is, centered in God. Rooted in Him. Built up in Him. And resting is an important rhythm of grace to help us live centered and rooted and build up, built up in Jesus. Resting might mean a nap. Might mean a walk in the woods. Might mean a meaningful conversation with a friend where our phones are shut off. It might mean a good book. It might mean turning the lights out and going to bed when the kitchen is a mess and the laundry pile looks like Mount Everest. Resting might simply mean going home and actually being home when we get there. I've shared this before. Dallas Willard was once asked to describe Jesus in one word. Such a fascinating little thing to think about. His answer was relaxed. I don't know about you, but that just entices me. How do you describe Jesus in one word? Relax. I mean, if that doesn't yank on something inside of you, it says, wait a minute, what? Relaxed? It's got to be something else. Passionate. Serious. Determined. Mission-driven. Relaxed. People who make space for resting live in the unforced rhythm of God's grace. They're at ease with themselves. And they are at ease with others. And they are at ease in their lives, whatever they entail. People who live in the unforced rhythm of God's grace are relaxed. Now, mind you, they work hard. They accomplish much, often. They are often busy. But they're not constantly stressed. They're not overwhelmed. Their life, their real life, 
is in Jesus. So they're relaxed. Now, I don't know about you, but I've got a long way to go on this one. I've learned how to spell relaxed. But beyond that, I've got a ways to go. Third rhythm of grace I want to mention is the idea that flows out of this second thing, but is the idea of communing with Jesus. It's just all over this Matthew 11 passage. Here we are on the verge of another busy, hectic time in the calendar, and Jesus says to us, again, right out of Matthew chapter 11, come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. Then listen to this. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me. And you'll learn to live freely and lightly. There's a glorious invitation here to live everyday life in communion with Jesus. Not something to stress about. Something that is real and doable and possible. This great phrase, keeping company with Jesus. Walking with Him. Working with Him. Watching His example. It's language of companionship. It's language of being with in the midst of. One of the most damaging ideas to infect the soul of Christ followers is the notion that Jesus is interested in our spiritual lives. He is not. He's interested in the whole of our lives. All of our lives. Every facet of our lives. Our work our family, our loneliness, our career, our past, our present longings. You name it, he cares about it. So he says, walk with me in your everyday life. Work with me in the everyday issues you deal with every day in your life. Watch how I handle the things of your life. See, this is about communing with Jesus, keeping company with him. I love that phrase. Keeping company with him in the midst of the busy and the chaotic. This is about the presence of God in the twists and turns of everyday living. So think about this. There is a promise in these verses. It's a rather stunning promise. He says, I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me. Here's the promise. And you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Jesus is inviting us to invite him to be our companion in daily life. And if we will, then we will begin, again the word, to learn to live freely and to live lightly. If you'll permit me, we will begin to learn how to actually dance instead of going through the motions of dancing. We will just become the natural instead of the unnatural. So what does it look like? I mean, step back. Imagine this fall, a busy, chaotic, noisy, lots to do fall where you live freely and lightly in Jesus' company every step of the way. What's it look like to keep company with Jesus 
on the brink of a fast-paced, hurried and frantic fall. It's stretching out in front of us. Christmas will be here, and maybe the week after, we'll breathe again. But it's sitting right there. So what would it look like to keep company with Jesus? So this moves from, oh, that was an interesting thought, into some way of actually making a difference. Here's one thing it looks like. It looks like making space to use, using the phrase in this passage, to get away with him. Making space, then, so he can recalibrate us and reorient us. What does this mean? This means a few minutes each day. This is what I would suggest. A few moments of each day. A time of prayer, perhaps. A prayer already written that we wake up and say. A time reflecting on Scripture. A passage of Scripture. A single verse of Scripture. Maybe this scripture from Matthew 11, written out or on our phone or wherever we keep these things that we look at at the beginning of the day and it centers us. A few moments to reorder our hearts to Him. But it also means communing with Him throughout the day. Being present to His presence. It means then doing our jobs, doing our chores, doing our errands with Jesus. Trusting that he cares about sales contracts and homework and grocery shopping. And he's with us in these everyday activities and he will help us because he's a smart guy. He knows a lot. He understands how the whole universe works. He understands how human life works. Try this. He understands how you work, how you're wired, what makes you tick, what breaks your heart, what makes you insecure, what gives you anxiety. He knows what you're striving to do in order to feel good about who you are. He knows every speck of those details. He understands how human life works works. Communing with him throughout the day means we recognize we have a companion who deeply loves us, who is with us, and it's not that we're doing the sales contract so we can then get over and deal with our spiritual life, because Jesus doesn't care about our spiritual lives. He cares about our lives. All encompassing in the detail. So I want to ask you to close your eyes as I finish this. And just sit for a second. You get back sometimes to those, the ideas of what you experienced when you were little. And one of the things that occurred to me in preparation for this is what we really need, and maybe far more effective than anything I might stand up and say, would have been to have a carpet square in everyone's bulletin. And right now we get down on the floor and lay down in our carpet square and simply rest and be. Fall is here. And because Jesus invites us to, now is the time to breathe, to rest, to trust, to remember again His presence with us, to remember again that he is near.
hear these words again. Are you tired? Worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me. And you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. As you heard that, what word or phrase or idea caught your attention? Just continue to sit quietly with this. What caught your attention? What word or phrase landed on you and something in you said, oh, if I could only have that? What do you need as the chaos begins? Are you tired? Worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me. And you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Our Lord Jesus Christ, our friend, our companion, we rest this day, today, now, in the greatness of your love for us. We want to abide in you, to find our nourishment in you, to find our rest in you. And we pray that you'll continue to give us a compelling, rich vision of what life in you is like, that we might get a taste of what it would look like to live in this chaos, relaxed, because of who you are and because of who we are too. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Well, I want to mention um, next week, it's already been mentioned, but next Sunday is Labor Day weekend, and we'll be wrapping up this series and starting something else on the 9th. But next Sunday is a pretty important weekend in the life of Oak Hills. We do these one-service Sundays periodically, and they are a wonderful way for us to remember the larger body of Christ and in particular to recognize that we gather together as his people to worship him, to be with one another, to feast together, to nurture our relationships with each other, and again, to be his witness in this world. And part of that witnessing happens in the gathering. So I want to urge you to make uh, next Sunday a priority on your Labor Day weekend. We have what I think is going to be a really fun song that's going to wrap up this Songs We Can't Stop Singing Series, And so we invite you to that into the lunch that follows. And there is food in the back, so as you leave, I encourage you to hang out. And as you leave, may the grace and peace and power of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Thanks for coming.